is that something spiked in his heart that the enemy was allowed to kill him. There probably weren't a bigger danger at that time than that one person was in. And it's not safe to leave your society, leave Greece or Israel and all that of the signs of weakness and change using these uh, attempting to kill you. But that self-destruction is one of the last things that happens before the Son of Man returns. When there's Offensive worship and there's destruction, it's easy to hide up in theatrical things and pretending we're some all-star team or whatever. But here the confession is true. When his power is turned back on and God is just pleased with his plan and therefore he sets Israel to be the church of God, I have come greatly because I have done this thing. Acknowledge first, take away iniquity and sin, for I have done very clearly this. Destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord looked and rewarded the 
reformation of God. Therefore, they hated Master Shalom. The God who teaches when you read the Bible in the Old Testament is angry. The Greeks are ultimately people because they were so disappointed in their prophets. They were so disappointed that they didn't understand the love which God provided. Yet, yet he loved them. He cared about them. And he was a good and faithful father who corrected them. He did up with him restrictions and boundaries so that they would know their limits, so they would have peace and safety, so they would experience correct living, keep them with justice, and keep their heart right with them, and keep them from the blessings and prosperity that we have for them. So, the Lord said to the angels of the fulfillment, It is enough. Now they stay in your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood at his resting place at Elam in Jericho. In Psalm 116, Paul says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. In Psalm 145, God is saying, God is full of tender mercies. God brings the enemy defects with fear of making us feel so guilty and so heavy and making us feel so bad in ourselves that we forget that God is merciful. And sometimes we punish ourselves more beyond what we should because we do something wrong that inflicts a curse on us and conviction leads into condemnation and we suffer inside. We ask to pull away from the Lord because we feel so bad. But God is gracious and full of tender mercies. It's better to go to God in our sin like David did. It's better to go to Him and, and say, Here I am, I'm a man. Do whatever you need to do. I accept my sacrifice. When you're approaching a helpless sinner before God and come out of that condemnation, and come into a place where we experience that total love and mercy for our lives. David had all those wonderful psalms. The first psalm is 21, 16 and 17. Then David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and heaven, having in his hand a drawn sword, sent out for Jerusalem. Can you imagine that, you guys? Can you think of seeing something like that? You have not had that kind of visitation. You can go by faith in Jesus Christ. But back in the old days, can you imagine seeing the angel of the Lord, how huge angels are, and him with a drawn sword? Take it to stand some of you on that earth. Saturday and Oakland, they were having some rehab at that time. There were some workers that were hired, and these guys were pressing to check this guy out. And all of a sudden, there was a manifestation of the angel of God hovered right over him, and the work was drawn out of his hand. Can you imagine seeing an angel with a drawn sword in, in his hand, and it's just stopping? There's already been all kinds of uh, death that have happened because of the angel of the Lord, and now the Spirit of God has come upon him. Purified it so good because it corrects us where we do it wrong. It makes us want to tell the love of God. It makes us want to walk in the lines of Paul and serving as he did through Titus and Philippians. But David had had experienced and suffered that love. Sat at the side of Joab while when people in a place where they really really wanted to die, but they kind of because of their um, sackcloth that was itchy, irritated, but it made their guy feel that. It's interesting that the that the elders and David, that the elders entered into this place of grief and sorrow, even though it was during their sin, they joined him in that place of wanting repentance and wanting to see God move in a powerful way to restore what had just happened and to redeem the people of God, to put them back in that place of unity that God had given to us, that they thought that they did that, and that didn't God to pull up, to put back all of the requirements that Canada had never 
between the Celtic group and the Celtic team. You saw in the three people that got up and they still accomplished that what is just since the tradition of that first people to come to such a great land and the actions and voices in that land. This is a path that we can be a people to live. Then he said the word of God began to take uh, form. And as we saw as we lived our lives conscious of what God wanted, he had to speak new and speak to what that word and what the people represented. The peace that was overpowering those nations, uh, the confusion, the confederate, the, the hatred, the, the lawlessness. David said to God, Remember now, was it not I who commanded the people to remember when all the Israelites were made of captive? I am the one who has said it. And then Egypt was weak. But he speaks, What have they done? Let me be also the Lord, my God, who is just me and not God's son. But not against your people, but in
And from that revival, it just becomes, can you imagine what could happen to her and Lincoln? We need to be serious about that. Serious because we are living in a culture that this, this, this is our life and we're trying to say, Rachel, come on. I'm not happy with that. I'm just so, so passionate. I feel like we haven't done it. We haven't repented for our sin. We've allowed sin in, in our society to say we allow everything and we don't want to ruffle anybody's feather. But the thing is, the eternity is coming and people are going to face God. And we're not condemning anybody for what they do. We're offering them Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit that will change people. It is the Holy Spirit that will convict people. But I'm having kids growing up, and they, they don't know any boundaries. They know, they know no, uh, no limitations. They do their own kids. It's like ridiculous. They tell me there's some things going on that it should be practicing, really praying more together. What's going on in my message? Is Bible study that they should be practicing? Therefore, the angel of the Lord commanded Joel, the day to David, that David should go and address his altar to the Lord and address his sins before him. So David went up at the word of God, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. And the altar is the place where Christ fell. And the altar is the place where your heart goes before God in the Old Testament. The altar is the place you offer sacrifice. I believe the altar that God is asking for us in this day is the altar of our heart. That we offer our heart to God and everything that's not right, anything that's coming into our mind that is anti-God, that the, the world is trying to create, to transform our thinking into wrong thinking, and that we align ourselves with what God wants and, and recognize where the world is telling us one thing and convince God that we make those adjustments in our thinking that we are not aligning with the world. And that heart altar is a place where you experience God, where you receive repentance and forgiveness, where change comes over your life, and you rise up and you begin the example that God wants you to be, that He can be calling you to be. We're not to be like the world. We're to come up out of the world. We're to be looking different. We're to be acting different. We're to be speaking out. You know, sometimes the homelessness in our country are trying to support and have opportunities for young girls who, who find themselves pregnant and they don't know what to do. So that brings our thinking out of order. Trying to get alternatives to things that the world is saying, oh, you can't bring the baby. Yet remember, in this situation, where he can't build the altar, there's been no temple. There's been no worship. People have no regular gathering places. They just met with the word of God and what God's laws had said to establish so that they would keep in the temple and train it and walk with God. Their only friend was Saul the angel and his four sons who were with him and they hid themselves. This is a strange verse. Okay, Aaron's four sons seized the angel of the Lord with a sword, right? A spear in his hand. But Ornan continued brushing leaves. What? What is going on here? I guess the judge is not important with that armor. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David. And he went up from the threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Where then is the place of this thresh threshing floor that I may build an altar on it to the Lord? And he shall bring it to me at full price that the plague may be withdrawn from my people. Again, the altar is a place of confession and repentance, a place of heart sacrifice, and a place of deep worship. Altar is a place to get right with God. The altar is a place that God goes to as far as extreme and demonic activity with impurity and wrong. At the altar, it's like Jesus 
that cross is the altar where Jesus made sacrifices of spirit, soul, and body for our sins and for every sin, every endorsement. Jesus died on the cross to give forgiveness so that there's no shame, no guilt, but we have to lay claim to that by going to that altar. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. At the altar, we get right. At the altar, we, we get right before God, and then we leave the altar and we go into the throne room. We go boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. It's at the altar we deal with our sin, our attitude, our shame. When we, when we leave the altar, we go into the presence of God with confidence and full of faith, looking eye to eye at Jesus, knowing that he's made us righteous, he's made us acceptable, and he's made us off from our sins and our transgressions and our sins that have brought shame and disgrace to us. So he carries us off in faith, Psalms of 29, verses 23, and Psalms of 15, 5. says to the Lord, take it to yourself. Take that land to yourself. And let my name, the king, do what is good in your sight. Look, I offer you the offering for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for wood, and the wheat for burning offerings. I will give it all. Then King David said to him, Yes, Lord, for I will surely buy it for full price. For I will not drink it in joy to the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings, for that would cost me nothing. I'm telling you, go to altar, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. It's not a free thing. You are so proud of your wanting to be right with God that you're surrendering everything, maybe a sin, maybe an attitude, maybe something you have before God. You're surrendering it all so that is in a right relationship with God and the right spirit to worship is powerful and will restore. So David did only 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place. But again, we offer ourselves. God doesn't want a religious sacrifice. He doesn't want anything but our heart. That's what we fellowship God from. David recognized this. In 1 Chronicles 29, verses 26 and 27. And David built there an altar to the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and he called on the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire from the altar of burnt offerings. He reminds me of Elijah's sacrifice. Remember after he fell in the palace of Baal? And the prophets of Baal are clearly cutting themselves, and uh, Elijah goes a step further. He pours water on the, on the wood, more water on the wood. He pours a, a fresh water and pours more water, and the fire of God comes down, showing that God himself and Baal was just a false idol that, that could not come and do anything to wipe out that sacrifice. Again, this is a powerful experience from God to David and to others and to all of Israel to show that God had power. But when they decided to put Baal's altar, as God had said, was offered to him and thanksgiving for God looking off and God's mercy stopping justice that the fire of God fell saying, I approve of your altar. I approve of the way you're offering yourself to me. That's why we have to we we have to continually have altar experiences. We can't live on yesterday's experience. We have to have fresh altar experience. We have to rend our hearts fresh with God so we have this openness with him, that we can have this connection with him and that we know who God is. First Chronicles um, 37. So the Lord commanded Elijah, and he returned his soul to his house. But in First Chronicles 29, 28, and at that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him from the threshing floor of Eliab of Jezebel, he sacrificed to the Lord. He offered three cubits to his God, whom the Lord loved to correct, just as a father his son as he did Elijah. And he used Baal's anointed from the living altar. Then the king of Israel and Judah arose and brought Ahab's 
word. But afterwards, we can see where he's going. And Paul here is great encouragement. He's got the fight. That's our fight that the Lord is going to lead. Ready? In 13, he says, Be reminded. And the commonwealth of the laborers and the elders of the whole household, whoever comes near you in the wilderness, they all bear pains and hard work and good deeds. So again, he's saying that there's a real place for you who are called to work at something after. And the Hebrew says, Take from the strong bowl. The builders could not bear the earth with all its dust. You couldn't get that close. So he was encouraging the souls of the people of Israel. You have these great souls that do what the Lord wants and do what the Lord wants. They are fools who are always doing their own foolish things. Really, those believers, you have a lot of great souls that they have 